You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 764. The other questions you might want to ask are, what's your average turnover rate? And, you know, what are your turnover vacancy and maintenance costs on average? What is that, you know, to each buyer? And, and that, again, that'll give you an indication of both the type of property that you're buying, the type of area you're buying it in, as well as the quality of the management company. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. This is your host, Lauren Hardy. And I want to welcome Eric Hitzelberger to the show. Today, I have got an awesome guest. Eric is going to teach us all about the turnkey rental business. And the reason that you guys need to know about this as wholesalers is because you will often be wholesaling to these types of end users. So today I'm so excited to pick your brain, Eric. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lauren. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you because I have a lot of questions about turnkey rental companies. So you are the owner of Freedom Property Group. You're based in Louisville, Kentucky. And I did say that right. That is correct. Yes. Let's just a little slow clap that I don't say Louisville. Yes. There's a lot of pronunciations that are acceptable as long as you know you kind of don't say Louisville or something. <laughs> yeah, Louisville. I've heard no, I've heard you can't say Louisville either though. Some people will, but you will obviously not be from here. Yeah. So Eric, tell us a little bit about your company, the company that you own and what is a turnkey rental company? Sure. Turnkey, you know, the the word gets used a lot in the industry. um, But for us, what that means is that we are providing passive income for our clients, right? And that that passive income comes in the form of a rental property. They don't have to do anything with. We manage it entirely. So oftentimes we buy the property, we we fix it up, place a resident in there. um, And so there's rental income from, from day one, and then we sell it to to an end buyer, and they don't have to be, most of them aren't located here. They're located around the country. And then we manage it for them, and they receive a monthly check, um, just like they would if they owned, you know, some sort of dividend stock, right? They get some, they get a payment every month from their rental income, and then they get the benefit of owning the house and, and the appreciation that comes along with that. And we we take care of everything for them. So all the issues with contractors and tenants and toilets and, and those type of things, we, we handle for them. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So what are the type of buyers, I guess, is that when you would say buyers that you work with sure. or investors? Yes. Well, how about investor, the state? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the sake of this episode, when I say the word investor, we mean that the people that give Eric money for these homes. Yes. They <laughs> so, ultimately own the property, right? And, they, and, and that's an accurate description because ultimately this is an investment just like paper assets, just like stocks or bonds, right? They're buy and hold investors and they are trying to earn income or trying to earn appreciation, wealth, or some combination of the two. So, you know, if they're looking for how to do that, they have the option of going out and contributing to an, maybe an IRA that, that buys stocks and bonds or cryptocurrency or gold or whatever, or they have the option to buy a house from us. 
um, and, and earn a return, right? They're concerned about the return on their investment in real estate in the same manner they are any other asset class. And what do these people, you know, typically do for a living? Are they, you know, interested in real estate and are they real estate investors themselves or are they just like totally passive? Most of the, some of them are real estate investors, but most aren't. Most of them are high net income individuals. You know, they have jobs they enjoy, whether, and, and like I said, they can be doctors or lawyers or engineers or, you know, other medical professionals, but we also have teachers and, and you know, some other people who just, they have jobs they enjoy. They don't want to leave their job to, to go into the real estate world. They don't really want to be active wholesalers or rehabbers or anything of that mind. They just want returns on their investment. You know, we, we try to make this as passive for them as we can. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's basically the high net worth individual that wants to diversify you know, their money and they probably do have stocks and they probably have other investments, maybe cryptocurrency, but real estate is also an excellent investment. And it also comes with a lot of tax benefits as well that they're looking for. They're probably looking for some write-offs, I imagine. Absolutely. So then, you know, but real estate takes management. It, you know, even just finding the deals is is hard. So a high net worth individual can come to a company like you and say, hey, listen, I've got $300,000 to invest. Let me check out what you have. And then you guys handle the rest. Yep. That, that's exactly what we do. Awesome. Okay. That's, I mean, that sounds really, really fascinating. So how do you, how did you get into this business or the turnkey business specifically? I started investing personally several years ago, about 15 years ago, I guess, and, and doing doing rehabbing primarily and then became a buy and hold investor myself and started growing. And as I did, I, I found some private lenders who were interested in you know investing in, in our company and what we were doing. And then that kind of just snowballed into, hey, can you show us how to do real estate? Would you do this for us? And we had enough interest that we, we kind of said, you know, we looked around and saw some other turnkey companies around the around the country and what they were doing and said, yeah, it makes sense for us to do this. Um, there's enough buyers out there. There's enough um, interested investors. And this is something we can do to kind of contribute to someone's financial security so that they don't have to worry about passive income later in life. And, and they can go contribute to the world in whatever manner, you know, suits them best. Yeah. I mean, that well, I, I think it's an amazing concept, you know, especially for, I know so many people that like come to me all the time that they're, they're not in real estate. They have other professions and they like, I want to invest with you, but I'm just like, I, I'm not set up to do that for them. So sure. I usually will point them to like a turnkey company, like, you know, yours now turnkey also turnkey rental companies. This model works really well for the virtual investor. Like say, because I'm aware the territory I'm in that I wholesale in, there's Mm -hmm. a a couple turnkey companies and their investors are based in like Seattle, like expensive areas. So explain that. I mean, there's this other idea that, oh, you can get, you can buy properties in other areas that maybe you yourself couldn't really wrap your head around getting the management in place and everything. So how do you help someone who's virtual? Right. So probably 60 to 70% of our clients, actually probably 70 to 80 at this point, invest from a distance. Uh, Many of them are in California. We've got some in Texas and New York and DC and different places as well. Uh, Most of them make that investment, right? And we do all of the legwork, you know, evaluate the property and all those other things and handle all the day-to-day operations. So that we try to make it so you don't have to know a whole lot, right? 
all of our properties ultimately have a have an inspection done so they, so they can see and understand what they're buying and and most people get a loan so they get an appraisal so they can assess the worth or someone else independently assesses the value of the property and those things um, but ultimately they're looking for that return that maybe either they can't get in in paper assets or that like you mentioned gives them those other benefits of depreciation and, and mortgage interest deductions and, and stuff like that. It's very easy to invest virtually with a turnkey company. The the biggest challenge is, as you know, right, are, is that kind of that boots on the ground element. And, you know, if you're doing wholesaling, right, as a virtual wholesaler, you're, you're trying to make sure that that what you're buying is really what the seller describes. And if you're, if you're going to have a buy and hold property, right, you need a good company that knows how to manage it and can can check on your your residents when things go wrong and, and has contacts to to fix things and and all those other things that come with buy and hold as well. Yeah, and so let's talk about like how things could go wrong investing with a turnkey company. What have you heard horror stories? Like, have you heard anything that there's some turnkey companies that aren't good to work with? I think there's a couple things that that people should watch out for when they're buying. The first is to make sure you get a, an inspection on the property so that you understand what it is that you're buying. There's a lot of ways to put a property on the market from our perspective. Our company believes that we shouldn't have deferred maintenance. Our company believes that we should understand and, and try to minimize capital expenses within the first few years. So we, we spend that money up front to do that. And we budget it when, we, when we're buying the property, right? We know what we're going to sell it for because it's, it's what the market dictates. Um, and what the investment dictates. So we when we go out and we look and, and say, you know what, this furnace is 35 years old. It's it's you know duct taped together in every way it can be. We're going to go ahead and replace that, even though it, it did put out heat. So those are things that we do to try to ensure that our investors get a solid return and, and consistent returns, especially at the beginning when they're first getting started. And an inspection will will uncover that if, you know if you're dealing with a different company. You know, a simple question to ask is, what's the average rehab that you do to a property? Okay, that's a good point is asking that question because that's what I've heard is that people will end up buying a property and it has a bunch of problems with it and they didn't really fix very much. And there's and then the turnkey company sold it for like the absolute highest price they could. Sure. Then the investor ends up getting it and it wasn't that great. Of, the numbers don't actually pencil out because it had all these repairs that still needed. The other questions you might want to ask are what's your average turnover rate and you know what are your turnover vacancy and maintenance costs on average? What is that you know to each buyer? And, and that again, that'll give you an indication of both the type of property that you're buying, the type of area you're buying it in, as well as the quality of the management company. Those numbers are high and, and high would be on a combination, maybe 15%, 12 to 15%, and certainly any higher. That might give you cause to, to think about it. If they're 10% um, over some period of time, that's fairly reasonable. This is a physical asset. So, so there's certainly going to be costs and those should be budgeted for. And if they're less than that, then that's an indication that, especially over, over the first few years, that's an indication that you're getting a good property. The management company knows what they're doing and you know you're, you shouldn't expect a lot of problems. And percent of what? 10%? Oh, sorry. Of the rental income. 10% of the rent. So if you, okay. That's that's a decent, 10% would be, you know, someone doing their job fairly well in in most markets. Okay. So if they have an answer for you that is under 
10%, then they look like they know what they're doing and they're probably, you know, can be trusted. So in the reason, you know, a lot of the listeners on this podcast are aspiring real estate investors. A lot of them are wholesalers or they're getting into wholesaling specifically. And Mm -hmm. I felt like it would be important to have you on this call because I know as a wholesaler myself, the game really changed when I really started understanding my end buyer. So when I was just like, let's call like a little JV, you know, JV wholesaler, like I didn't understand my end buyer. I was just trying to move deals. When you don't have that level of understanding, you don't even know how to price deals out very well. Um, So this episode was more for you guys to increase your skills and learn the different types of end buyers. So one of your end buyers is going to be a turnkey company. If you're in any metro in this, you know, in the US, you're going to come across a turnkey buyer from time to time. We sell to turnkey buyers all the time, all the time. So it's important that you guys are listening to this and you understand what Eric does, how the business operates, what he's thinking about when he's looking at the deal and looking at the numbers and like who he has to answer to, because he has to answer to investors as well. So if you guys can understand that you guys can work better together and do more deals. And I mean, that's the goal, right? Is just to do more deals. Absolutely. So how do you work with wholesalers? I imagine like, so how are you getting these deals? I should ask that question. How are you getting these properties? Um, We get them any way that we can, (laughs) but uh, certainly we, we have, uh, historically purchased from wholesalers we purchased uh, foreclosure auctions we you know there was a, there was a day in a time that you could buy off the MLS we do some direct marketing on our own so in any way that we can for the properties that we like we'll, we'll try to acquire them I mean I know uh, the turnkey companies they're on my buyers list and we're like this you know like I, if you're listening to this I just cross my fingers mm-hmm. <laughs> the way if you're if you're watching youtube you know what i just did but we are tight so me and the turnkey guys are tight we've done lots of deals together um they're like my preferred buyers because you guys know what you're doing you got you come in with all cash you don't mess around you know how to make the deal very like seamless um so it doesn't you know blow up i think some of our hardest deals are when we're working with new house slippers that would be those ones are harder. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm with a hedge fund or a turnkey company, it's super smooth and super easy. So I imagine you would love to talk to a bunch of wholesalers, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, we have a lot of buyers, a lot of interested investors um, who are constantly looking for properties. So as long as that property will ultimately meet our criteria and perform for them in the way that you know we advertise, we're we're willing to buy it. We have a, a lot of money behind what we can do. Uh, and like you said, we are as easy to work with from, from a wholesaler perspective as, as I know how to make it. We've never you know, backed out of a deal. We, you know, we close when we say we're going to, and, and we've got a lot of resources behind, um, behind us in, in our capabilities. Now, can you get specific? Because I, I really want the listeners to just really understand. I want you guys to grow as investors, all right? We're not just wholesalers. I want you guys to grow as an investor. What is your buy criteria or so, investment criteria? You know, the, the end game for all of our buyers is a buy and hold house. Okay. And with buy and hold, we do primarily single family, but we, we do have some multifamily as well. But for buy and hold, ultimately, 
the thing that's going to determine your success as a buy and hold investor is, is really vacancy rate, vacancy internal. You know, yes, you're, you're going to have a fixed mortgage and taxes and insurance, and your your repairs are, are somewhat predictable. Sooner or later, your, your furnace is going to die. And, and yes, that's a one-time expense over maybe 20 years or 30 years or something. We can, we can kind of predict that stuff. Where things get really sideways is, is vacancy and turnover. We want to try to make sure that we're providing a, a property as to buy and hold investors that doesn't increase the turnover rate. And by that, I mean, the property shouldn't be on a busy street, right? Because sooner or later, that's going to be annoying to people. It shouldn't necessarily, if it's a B-class home, it shouldn't back up to a trailer park or an industrial building or something like that, where there's a lot of noise disturbance and things like that. Um, we don't necessarily like homes that back up to the interstate. We like and prefer homes that maybe have four bedrooms instead of three, two bathrooms instead of one, a basement or a garage, because that allows the family unit, whatever, whether it's an individual or multiple people, to expand and, and to stay there for a long time. These are the things that we think about as, as buyers. Will this house support somebody living there for the next 30 years? That's the ideal, the ideal tenant for, for any property, you know. And so what is it that we can do? How can we avoid things that might cause them to leave earlier? I did not think that you would say this. So I'm I would I'm surprised. I was thinking like rent to price ratio, but you know, you're you raised such a good point. So you guys that are listening, there's you might have heard like rent to price ratio. So maybe if a house, a 1% rent to price ratio is kind of like a gold standard, but it depends on what areas you're in. Yeah. You can get better if you're in some areas, you can get worse if you're in others. So like in California, I don't even want to know what the rent to price ratio is. I think it's like 0.3%. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then like in Oklahoma, investors want more of like a 1.5 to maybe 1.25, 1.5. It's if it's not in as ideal of an area. So what that means, if the house went for a hundred thousand dollars, it would maybe generate $1,250 in rent would be like 1.25. Or if it was 1.5, like 1,500 in rent. 1% would be 1,000 in rent. I was thinking you were going to go right into just numbers. But what's funny about the rent to price ratio is you can get areas that are like a 2% where the house was like cost maybe, I've seen this in my territory, $25,000. It rents for 500 bucks. Yes. And it's constantly going through evictions and constantly getting vandalized and it's vacant every other every year, right? Yes. No, so so my background is engineering, right? And and I, I really do not like that ratio because it outside of it, it really has very little context. And and like you just said, the twenty five thousand dollar property that rents for five hundred versus the $100,000 property that might rent to 900. Most of the time, I will argue that the, the one that has the 0.9% ratio there is the better investment. Some people who just want cash flow and they're, and they're gonna just throw the property away when they're done, maybe the first one works. But again, you're gonna have low income housing has low income housing problems. Yes. And that sometimes can cost 
significant amounts of money. It's such a good point. I, I did not realize how vacancy and turnover eats up your profit anyway. Yes. So if you're, you know, in a 1.5% rent to price ratio area, but you know, if you're vacant every year, what's the, now you're 0.5%. <laughs> yes. yes. It looks so, great on paper. It, it, it's fantastic on paper. It looks good on paper. That's such a good yeah. point. Yes. Such a good point. I heard you say like an E-class property. I see people do this all the time. You guys who are listening, you hear people go, oh, it's a B-class property, a C-class. What is the standard of these classes? Who is there like a legend? Is there a legend somewhere online of these classes? What is I just want to know because I hear this in the commercial space, I hear it in multifamily all the time. Explain. So, to to my knowledge, there is it's kind of like turnkey, it's it's a very nebulous thing. Our definition um, of A class is a property that you primarily buy for appreciation, it's going to be in a better neighborhood. You're going to you maybe buy this because it has some wealth building characteristics right you both want and expect it to grow in value okay so a little bit better neighborhood probably more owner occupants than rentals and 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 things like that your cash flow as a percentage of your investment is going to be a little bit lower but the the overall return when we combine the appreciation and the cash flow it's pretty good a c class is one a property that we're going to buy primarily for cash flow Maybe we get some appreciation. We don't worry about that as much. What I'm really looking for is based on the amount of money that I put down, how much cash am I getting per month after all my other expenses are paid for? Right. That is my primary focus of this investment. And it's sometimes people start there because they want to eventually, you know, replace their current income um, and they need some, they need cash now. Whereas in the appreciation case, maybe you don't need as much cash right now. You need it, but you want the bigger number later on. Okay. Can we contextualize it? So like an A-class would be like where I live in Southern California, Orange County. It would be like <laughs> a place in Orange County, right? Like there's no cash sure. flow. People, I mean, they're, they're like foreign investors who buy these things and like there's no cash flow in them. Right. So it's just because they're buying it for appreciation. They don't need the money right now. They're already wealthy. Yes. That's so the when it's paid off, and, and some of those people, right, they're, they're paying cash to start with. When they're paid off, they produce a decent, you know, a, a pretty good number as far as that, that cash income at that point in time. And I'm going to frame this in a market that's not as, <laughs> that more people might relate to. <laughs> okay. How about that? Yeah. Let's do like an A class in Kentucky. Yeah. So an A okay. class in, let's just say here in the world, that would be, let's just, Two hundred to maybe three hundred thousand dollars as the purchase price of the house. So, at a two hundred thousand dollar investment, maybe your rent is sixteen hundred something like that, and what you get is a couple hundred dollars a month. But again, with that appreciation of four to five percent in normal times, and right now, you know, doesn't really count. But in normal times, you could expect that type. Long term, you would expect that type of appreciation. So, that that's kind of the scenario that you're in. Maybe is less than a hundred here. Um, okay. We're probably eighty to one twenty. Um, so I'll just use a hundred there. But maybe you're getting three hundred dollars a month or four hundred dollars a month. But your investment was basically half of what you what you did for the A class. So on your your cash flow rate of return is going to look a lot better because you're getting the same or more cash flow on on half the investment. Okay. 
classes in the middle. You're expected to get both appreciation at a lower rate, maybe a couple percent, two, three percent per year. And then you're going to get um, cash flow too. I feel so, like B class is the best. I, I mean, it's just everybody's in B class. Yes. Personally, this, that's where I invest my money. Most of our clients invest as well in that level. And over enough time, you know, at least for the returns that I see, it is B class tends to outperform the others. What is the price range for a B class in, say, Kentucky? Between one one twenty and and two hundred. Okay. And you know, okay, so that's interesting because I always tell everybody I recommend the B class. That's my sweet spot for wholesaling. Yes. So okay. There's a lot of other other things that that's important when you make an investment. Any investment is also to think about how am I getting out of this? Right. What's my exit strategy? A B class property. So in in most cities, B class is probably around the median of the price for the city. Right. Uh, if you're buying that median home price, you know you have the opportunity to sell it on the MLS to to a first time home buyer, to someone who's downsizing, to you know kind of a, a younger family, whatever. You have an opportunity to sell it to your residents. There's a lot of ways to get out of that property. Because it's it's kind of just like like you said in the sweet spot of what lots of people want. If you're buying, you know, a commercial property as as you know something else, right? Or a C class, or, or certainly even a lower property, you know, below C. In that case, you're selling to an investor. That's mm-hmm. uh, really your your end game. And in that case, if you were forced to sell for whatever reason, when you're selling, when when your only buyer is an investor, whether they be another buy and hold investor or a wholesaler or something, you're not in the best position and you're not going to get the most out of that asset at that point in time, right? If I had to sell something and and you came to my door and you're not giving me as much as I could have gotten if I could sell it on the open market. You know, it's interesting because I would say for wholesalers looking to market to sellers directly, I would almost say go for the C and E class because those are people that have to sell to investors. They don't have a lot of options. This is true. You know, but I also think the C and E class, depending on where you are located, the price points are so low. I don't enjoy that. It's hard because it's like the sellers in those, in that class, the sellers don't want to reduce the price low enough. Like it's already low enough for them. Like it's very hard to convince them to like drop it low enough to make your wholesale feel like that interesting. This is a little tip. Historically, I've noticed that wholesale fees are about 10% of the sale price. So whatever you, that the end buyer bought it for. So I sold subject property to Eric. Eric paid $100,000. On average, wholesale fees are around 10% of that. If you're doing better that means you're probably in a market that's a little less saturated, which is good. Good for you. You're really lucky. Don't tell anyone your market. If you're doing worse, it's you're probably in a saturated market where you kind of need help. Like you're not, you don't have this big of a buyer base. You're still figuring out, you know, pricing, whatever. Uh, but if you're at about 10%, you're like probably in a just standard Metro that has a healthy amount of competition. That being said, when you're talking uh, a $25,000 house, and you're going 10% of that, your wholesale fee is $2,500. It's hard to even get five grand, right? Like out of that, that wholesale deal is what we've noticed. So a lot of our lower end deals, we almost like try to avoid marketing to that price point because 
we can't, it's hard to get the seller to go any lower in their brains like they are because they're usually investors too. Yes. And so they're like, no, I don't want to get like, I'm giving this thing away, yeah. you know? So it's interesting. You would think theoretically based on what you said that the C and E class would be like, yeah, go for that because they know they have to sell to an investor. But I'm telling you guys, they're usually investors as well. And it's hard to convince them to go any lower than the house already is produced to. And I, I imagine we don't do a lot to very little wholesaling, but I imagine and from our own experience, right? It is tougher to get those B properties um, and A properties. It's just harder to get them. They're, they're fewer, but like you said, the fees are, are bigger. And for a B property or an A property, at least right now, and certainly here, in the, and I imagine most places in the country, there's a lot of demand, right? And so you can get, you probably get even you know higher wholesale fees just because there's a lot of people out there flipping. There's a lot of people out there, you know, Retail buyers are almost are almost wholesale clients at this point. Certainly, companies like us, we want as many as we can get, and, and so you know that is one thing that it, you mentioned earlier on. But um, a hedge fund or a, a turnkey company can can certainly provide. It's just a very consistent buy. You know, you don't have to go out and market to to a whole lot of buyers. Just Send us the leads and we'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No, and, we, and we can make it that easy. Actually, you raised though a good point question. How would a wholesaler find the turnkey guys in town or hedge funds? <laughs> Do you have any idea how like I could go to Indianapolis today and figure out who are the turnkey guys? Who are the hedge funds? I want to talk to them right now. How do we do that? The hedge funds are a little trickier, um, but but somewhere they have somebody on the ground, you know, and they're probably a part of a RIA or they're probably a wholesale, you know, they're, they're probably networking in there somewhere because because the buyers for them are they're motivated to find properties. Right. Uh, they they will tend to self-identify. And then turnkey companies, right? We we are advertising as turnkey providers online or or something like that. And our our contacts information is, is out there and readily available at I think you know most places. So in Indy there's I happen to know there's multiple companies. And you know, so you can contact the three or four or five of them and you know ask what their criteria is or what ranges they prefer or anything like that. Some of some of those are they do target C properties. Mm. And you know others others you know are a little bit more A and B type stuff. And and you know as the wholesaler just figure out what they want and and, and then go out and try to provide it because just like us, they're going to have capital and, and investors who are willing and able to perform very quickly. I never thought to just Google turnkey <laughs> yes. like that. It's so, sometimes the most obvious thing. I was like, I was going to say like, get on prop stream and then like, you know, pull the list and then look at who bought 10 that, you know, and, but no, like just Google turnkey property local. Yes. Cause you guys put it, you guys have websites and you guys are, yes. marketing. but you're right. The hedge funds are harder to find. So what I've done to find hedge funds, other than some word of mouth, sometimes it's just like, oh, call so-and-so, he works here. I will pull a list on PropStream. I will see who's buying. Like I look at like who's bought more than five. And you can usually tell like they have funny names. They usually have some sort of weird yes, some weird initials and weird whatever. initials, numbers, like names. Yeah. And you know that's a hedge fund when it's like kind of a weird name. And yes. you saw that they just bought 10 in the area. Right. 
So I will then Google that name. Um, I'll try to like, if I really can't find it, I'll look at the Secretary of State website and see if I can pull like the LLC and the representative of the LLC. But usually if you Google the name, like something will come up that tells you what that company is or where they are, or you can Google their address, like the mail, the tax bill mailing address, mm-hmm. and you'll get, you'll figure out what company it is from there and then call their office and then just say who's in charge of acquisitions for subject territory. Yes. So that's how I've done it. Um, but the hedge funds are a little bit harder to find. The turnkey guys are a little bit easier for sure. So I'm going to literally go to all my markets and Google that <laughs> and see if I'd like to. I better have everything yes. on my we, we want people to find this. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, okay, well, that's good. I mean, Eric, I got so much out of this. I mean, I thought I knew a little bit about turnkey companies, but now I feel like I know a lot. And again, if you guys are a wholesaler, you need to know who the turnkey companies are. These are your best friends. You guys are best buddies. Trust me. So if you happen to be in Louisville, we've got Eric right here. And Eric, we're going to drop your information in the show notes. But how would you like someone to get a hold of you if they have a deal? Yeah, they can email us. Um, it's probably the easiest way. And you can email it to invest at fpg-ky.com. Y.com. Okay. Invest. I'm going to make sure that gets in the show notes. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot, Eric, thank you so much for coming today. And I hope that you guys have a very prosperous year buying lots and lots of deals and help people make money. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys got a lot. Again, it was really my goal with this episode to just make you guys better investors. I want you, I want to open up your brains and expand your horizons. I want you guys to learn about, you know, the more technical aspects of wholesaling, not just assigning your contracts. I want you to really understand all the players in this business and turnkey companies is a major players. So super excited that you guys listened to this whole thing. If you guys want to learn more about wholesaling, you want some coaching, you want some virtual coaching, I urge you to check out my coaching program at www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. We are accepting students. Go ahead and apply today. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you guys next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.